Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we're talking about Shadows of Self, chapters 15, 16, and 17, wherein Wax finds a cab driver and uh, shit's weird. Melon reveals herself to our friend Aradel and shit's weird. And uh, we get the Wax talks to Bleeder. There's another attack on the governor, and then Wax talks to his uncle, which, I don't know, uh, that certainly gave us some information, I guess. So I'm Data, and with me is... Jamie. Jack. And Joe. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Tell me this now and riddle me that. Does anyone really know the mind of the bat? Wherever you're going, whatever you do, I'm out in the dark, keeping watch over you. So poison the ivy with your crocodile tears. We're climbing the vines to the heart of your fears. Can you tell me has something changed? The rewards are zero, cause I ain't no hero. Do you know it when you go strange? Is your taunting true? Am I as crazy as you? Check my head, I guess the joke's on me. So yeah, three more chapters down, and there's I don't know, there's kind of a lot of talking in these again, but some action also. So what did you guys think of these three chapters? Yeah, it's good. I feel like we're just we're just waiting for the big things to happen. Like I, I really enjoyed the stuff that went down with Bleeder this time and kind of that chase through and um watching how Wayne and Wax got to use Wayne's speed bubble against her speed ability as well, which was a lot of fun. Melan, I really like her. She's she's a bit of fun. <laughs> Not what you expect uh, out of the Kandra from, right. from what we know of the Kandra of old. But she was already part of I guess that rebellious kind of crew anyway. So I, I just think she's she's heaps of fun. When she was talking to Aradel and putting on all her divinity for <laughs> for display, I was like, "What is this? Like, how <laughs> how is Maris like keeping a straight face <laughs> with all of that that's going on?" But I I really liked her as well. Yeah, the stuff that went down with the governor. I'm not sure if it was this week's chapters or last week's chapters. Sorry, I missed last week, guys. We had a sick bubba, so she's much better now, which is good probably still noisy so i do apologize if she makes a hell of a lot of noise having those characters all together you know, in the in the pub as well i think it was probably from last week and sort of watching how they are all kind of riffing off each other and their dynamics coming together is, is a lot of fun didn't see the meeting with edwin happening to the point where i was like did i miss something did we know that wax was trying to communicate with him i think like, I think there's yeah. a mention, like maybe very briefly, that he's expecting something or he's going to talk to somebody, but I, we definitely didn't know that that's who it was going to be for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm interested to see where that's going to go now, and seeing if if the set are involved. A bleeder is just crazy, just really like terrifying. And that poor um, the poor coach driver. As well, gosh, I feel for him. That would have just been horrifying if you looked back in your coach and seen what had unfolded there. Oh, not good, not good. But 
I feel like we're definitely definitely heating up. We should be getting to that point in the book now where it's all going to move pretty rapidly. And I think given what we've read sort of happened over the span of, you know, an hour or two, there's, there's a lot going down in different different settings at the moment. So it's a bit of fun. Yeah, that that uh, the cab driver or whatever, he really had a bad experience I, like, to the point where he's like, it was me, wasn't it? I'm, I killed those people. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 dude, it's okay. Calm down. Because I'd, I'd sort of forgotten that they could approximate someone. Like they could try without their bones. They could make them look like someone else, but it would be a bit, a bit weird. Like it wouldn't work as effectively. But, yeah, to look at someone and then go, well, now I'm going to mess with you and just become sort of a disfigured version of you to do my crime. Oh, that's not okay. No wonder he's sitting in a soothing parlour trying to <laughs> right. make himself forget. Which <laughs> is not how that works, but... Yeah, gosh, that poor guy. He's going to need therapy for a really long time. Yeah, these chapters were mostly pretty good. There were a few bits, like, there were some bits I thought this was really cool, and other bits I'm like, ah, oh, okay, no worries. So, like, the, th- the things I liked, um, yes, Melan uh, is quickly rising up to MVP of this book. The conversation with Aradel was just hysterical. I, I, I love, I, I, it's the sort of thing, it's like, I feel like I've seen this kind of uh, conversation before, but it was done so well. I was just having a joy, a joyous time the whole, the whole way through, especially it's like, yeah, you snore too loud. And he goes, Oh, Oh, this must mean this or symbolize this. I'm going to go fix this about it. And like talking to a lady is like, no, legitimately he just fucking snores really loud. Like, yep. That was brilliant. Yeah. The bit with the cab driver, it's kind of like collateral. If Tom Cruise could turn into Jamie Foxx just to fuck with Jamie Foxx. So that was, yeah, that was messed up. And the fight with Fleeter. <laughs> uh, I should watch that movie again. Yeah, uh, the fight with Bleeder was really, really cool. I thought the lead up to it was just a bit. Did did Wax really just walk up to a random building and she was in there? I mean, yeah, it's like she's nearby because she's talking to him and and he's using his detective skills. But I thought it was a bit of a reach. It's just like a. There you are. I'm like, oh, okay. That was kind of. I don't know. Something about that didn't didn't sit with me for some reason. I'm not really sure why. And I thought the conversation with Uncle Edwan was kind of anticlimactic. It's kind of just a yeah. Look, we're not doing any part of this, but we're definitely going to capitalize on it. Which I think we like we called a little while ago. But it's still just mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. It's just like okay, great. Do we actually get any other information out of that aside aside from that little tidbit? Now I just have to think, all right, there's got to be more to their involvement because it just seems like such a waste to have that be Edwan's only scene in this book. Like, there's got to be something else that he does uh, as a result of all this. But, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. I have no idea what it could be yet. Uh, but, yeah, some bits really, really good. Other bits I'm just like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it does. It, it, I, I can I can kind of agree that if uh, that it, it would seem kind of anticlimactic that we've been like, oh, the sets, how's the set going to be involved? They were the big bad guy in the last book so they got to be you know secretly pulling some strings here and if it was just like nah not really i don't like i wouldn't actually wouldn't actually have a problem if that were the case but now that edwan has shown up and confirmed that halfway through the book like like before the climax and that we've had that little reveal makes you think oh okay and maybe it's just the casualness it's like yeah i got a message to my uncle he's waiting outside i'm like really you had to like fucking decipher the uh the train numbers in the last book just to find the guy and now you have a method with which you can communicate with him like i, I get why like they justified it with the notebook that he stole from and everything but i'm just like 
That just seemed too easy. I don't know. I kind of, I, I really kind of like the the explanation of the the drop box or the mailbox or whatever, where it's like he was yeah. watching it for a long time and then eventually he finds a note and there's like, hey, you should try something else. Uh, that was funny. Yes. I don't know. May, I, maybe it's, maybe it wasn't too easy. Maybe it's just how sudden it came up. Because mm. if it was foreshadowed earlier in the book, I did not pick up it on at all. So it just seemed very sudden to me, and maybe that's what's bothering me. I don't know. Sure. And like, I could, and you know, people feel free to disagree with me on this. Like, this is. Uh, these chapters were good. I mean, I think uh, I liked pretty much all of it except for, yeah, with Dak, the Edward part. I was kind of like, oh, this doesn't really feel like it fits too well with what we've been led to believe so far. Although, you know, I do get that trope, the kind of like you've got this bad guy who's working behind the scenes and you're now on a completely different case that does it that you may that you think he may be involved in so you have a face-to-face with your nemesis just to be like hey uh you want to like work together on this if you're not involved and then they're like nah we're just gonna we're just gonna let you deal with it like i totally get that trope it's it's something that exists Mm. but it does seem kind of abrupt uh i feel like as dax says it's kind of like okay so he just he's been communicating with his uncle which would be cool if we had kind of been in on it but because we're not in on it until he sets up the meeting it kind of seems like lazy writing to me it's like well i need the i need wax to meet up with his uncle but i didn't really write that in that he could have had a way to communicate with his uncle so i'll just put it in right here in the same chapter where he does it it just seemed kind of weird a weird choice to me but other than that i I, i'm being nitpicky honestly because i liked all three of the chapters for the most part, except for that, that point, I really enjoy each, each and every moment, except for that moment in, in this, uh, there's something to like about, about everything that happens. The, I feel like the, uh, secret Condra bad guy is a lot creepier and kind of, it's almost like we're reading like a thriller horror because, you know, it's this, it's this creepy Contra creature that can disguise itself going around killing people. And then you get this like poor coachman that sees a just like a, a weird disfigured version of himself in the back seat, And then it kind of drives him crazy a little bit. So it's just kind of a, it's, it's, it's really a kind of a depart from the kind of stuff we've read from Brandon in the past, as far as this, as far as this specific aspect of the story with the Condra. So I'm actually really enjoying it. I like, you know, like mystery stuff and to add this kind of low, uh, not low stakes, but low because it's not super horror. But, you know, it's like to add this kind of thrilling, low horror aspect to it. It's uh, it's pretty fun to read. So I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I love the trick with Wayne being hidden in the, the governor's mansion. That was really cool. Which I mean, you know, that's what we expect from these guys at this point. They they know they know what they're doing. They know how to do their job. But it was just another fun moment of Wax and Wayne working together in a way that their enemy didn't expect. So uh, yeah, I for the most part, I I like the chapters a lot. I like the way you described him consulting his uncle because it reminds me of like uh, Batman and the Joker in the Long Halloween or something. Where it's like, yes, I'm gonna go talk to my nemesis and see what information he can provide. And we're just yeah. Well, and it's just like, I mean, you see that in a lot of a lot of fiction that has kind of, I guess, like Batman, where you have like a cacophony of villains to choose from. It's like sometimes he'll the the hero will go and consult this particular villain 
and see like if they have any insight or even like silence of the lambs it's like she goes to visit this guy who's you know unknown he's a psychologist but he's also insane like because he can help her solve this case so yep i guess yeah i mean i didn't even think of uh, but yeah silence of the lambs also kind of fits although his uncle's not you know in prison or anything uh not yet oh. yeah not yet I think he's like, oh, you promised not to arrest me. How quaint. Okay, I guess I guess let's get into these three, three chapters. Uh, we start out with some interesting musing on Wax's part about how people will fucking charge money for anything they can get away with. It's like, I'm surprised nobody's found a way to put a tax on collecting rainwater. Which, yeah, okay, I mean, that's true. He's not wrong. Yeah. And then he makes it to the soothing parlor, and he feels the soothing, and he's like, ah, damn it, I should have brought my hat. My aluminum-lined hat. And so he is looking for this Chapu fellow, who we learned in the last set of chapters is like the the cab driver, basically, who was scheduled to pick up who he assumes was Bleeder from the uh, the cheekiness of the name in the book. And I like the lady in charge is like, dude, if you think that, uh, like, flashing a badge is going to get you in here for free, you must be new to the force, because that's not how this works. He's like, I'm looking for this guy. And so... Takes him upstairs and into this room where this guy has apparently paid a bunch of money for, uh, like, one-on-one soothing, which, given what he's telling us, is not, like, a, a cheap service. And the soother's just like, dude, I've I've tried what I can, but this guy does not need Almancy. He needs a doctor. And the lady's like, get him out of here, please. He's disturbing my people. Because Chapu <laughs> is uh, quite disturbed. The soothing does not seem to be helping. And Wax tries to figure out if this is Bleeder by being like, hey, what's the name of your dog? And he's like, I, I, I don't have a dog. He died. And Wax is like, all right. And then we cut to Aradel, who uh, apparently does not use his office a lot. So maybe that's why his wife can get away with hiding fucking bananas in there. Because he says it's, <laughs> it's a place for giving house lords somewhere to sit when they complain at me. He's yeah, on- makes sense. Yeah. He's up on the roof, uh, giving orders. He's like, get the men ready to clear out the pubs. We're going to close them down once I get permission to institute martial law. This really does just seem like the Commissioner Gordon moment. He's waiting up on the roof for Batman to show up or something. Yeah, it's true. And instead he gets Elon, who I guess is, what, Martian Manhunter? That's that's an interesting point. I don't know exactly who uh, the comparison I would draw there. I mean, super strong, shape-shifting. Yeah, I know. Well, I'll give it to you. And Marissa is like, well, here's the information I found. It definitely looks like it's one of those faceless immortals that did this thing, just like I told you. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I'm still going to want proof. But, uh, and she's like, well, I I, had, I brought some proof. Uh, probably best if we did that part alone, though. And so he has everyone else go downstairs. And he's like, I hope my questions aren't offensive of uh, your grace. <laughs> And she slips into this, like, sincere inquiries never offend human, for it is thy duty to seek truth. True questions return only truth. Like, she's really laying it on uh, thick with the the, thys and thee, and we shall aid thee in thy desperation. And he's like, "Uh, great, I guess, uh, yeah, that's that's what I needed. Um, Could you put in a good word for me with harmony? I love that. Like, you got, like, an angel equivalent. And he's like, hey, can you, uh, like, put in a good word for me with God? You know, like, 
and she's like, thy deeds are thine own good words, human, and thy God knows of them. And then <laughs> she, uh, he's like, okay, can, can you tell me anything else? And she's like, thy snoring is rather loud. It doth be like unto a hundred angry coloss in the middle of a rock slide. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, that's, uh, that's mighty white of you. Thanks. <laughs> Right. And then they go downstairs and Arendelle's like, yeah, that was weird. And Maris is like, I mean, I warned you, but and he's like, I just thought she's just pissing herself. Right. She's seriously like after that last set of chapters, which, yeah, Jamie wasn't here to talk about, but we really all did love Melon and just she's so ridiculous and fun. And he's like, um, I, I, yeah, the, the, the snoring thing, a metaphor, I assume, but for what? Yeah, I mean, it must be the constables. We're, we're too loud, like metaphorically. We're supposed to be serving the people. But all the complaints about brutality. Yeah, no, I see. I got I to gotta change stuff. <laughs> Which, okay, he took something positive away from it. I mean, I'm not going to complain about him wanting to cut down on police brutality. Like, Okay. Yeah, you shouldn't really need, like, the shape-shifting immortal to tell you that, but okay. Yeah, exactly. And so Marisa is like, we'll let Wax handle the Chondra and we'll focus on the city. We get a bit where Airedale's like, so you know what, Marisai, uh, you could help me out here. That uh, that Ladrian fella, he you know he does some good work, but he's kind of a wild card, and I'd really like more information on what he's doing. Which really, I mean, that Marisai at, at the end of this kind of like, oh man, is that really why they hired me? And I admit it does sound a little bit shitty to be like, I need you to kind of keep tabs on this guy for me. But she's like. I mean, you know, technically he's under your jurisdiction. You could just ask him for reports. And he's like, I have tried that. And if I'm lucky, he like I get a letter saying where he's left a suspect hanging. If that most of the time it's like at a party and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. So at that point, I'm like, OK, no, I, I see why he would. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fair to be like, I want some information. The shit. And she's like, OK, I'll write you a weekly report more frequent if there's an investigation. And he's like, OK, great. Fantastic. I'm. And she's like, I'm gonna tell him that I'm doing it. And Arendelle is immediately like, No, that's terrific. I'm, anything is better than what I'm getting now. So let's let's do this thing. I think the but, fact that um he he's on board with her telling him is just so. All right, you're not just you're not you're not a shitty dude. Like I've I've liked Arendelle so far, but there have been a couple of things I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't like I don't know how to read you at this point. But like the fact that he's like, and yeah, I need you to spy on him. I'm gonna tell him I'm doing that. Okay. Like okay, that goes a long way. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think for him, it's. I think he's. He seems like a straight shooter, Airedale. So it's like if he's saying like, I just need information because he's not giving me any. That's exactly what he means. It's not. There's yeah. not like some ulterior motive where he's trying to build a case against Wax. It's like no, I just need to know what's going on in my own octon. Right. Yeah, yeah and it it seems absolutely like fair and like at first i'm like okay that seems kind of shitty but then once you get the whole explanation it's like no actually he's being pretty reasonable yeah this, especially the bit where wax says yeah. he's asking for resources and i'm like yeah okay if the dude's taking your stuff you need to know what he's doing with it yeah yeah because yeah. you gotta you gotta he's answer to, to city people for that exactly he's having to prepare apologies for you know broken city resources and <laughs> yeah. all sorts of stuff like People are going to complain, and it's much easier to go. Oh, it's part of a an operation. Like they can actually work together quite well if if Wax gives them a chance. Mm-hmm. So, it's like having someone that's like really good at their job but terrible at the admin. Yeah, yeah, I've known people like that. Uh, I, 
I feel very targeted. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, speaking of Airedale, I kind of skipped over a a little note where it's like uh, his ancestor is a soldier who died as a martyr during the days of the Ascendant Warrior. Yeah. So in... Do we know? Do we know anything else about Aradell, or is this a this is the this is the hook that we're trying to go? Ooh. I think this. I, I'm pretty sure this is new. We didn't have much information on him, so, okay. and I don't I don't think it's ever actually explained. But in, uh, in case the similarity in the name did not tip anyone off, his ancestor is Goradell. If you remember Goradell, Goradell had kids. Uh. Yeah, I guess he must have had kids before Marsh chopped him into tiny bits. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. It's like, oh, who's who, like who could his ancestor be? I'm trying to think. Well, who died that we know? I'm not thinking clubs, Doxon? No, they didn't have like they didn't have family, or when they did, they became emperors. So right, surely, surely not. Gardel, I forgot about him. Yeah, and I think like Gordel was originally like a palace guard at the Lord Ruler's palace, and I think it was like you know. You came here to make money for your family, I understand. And so it's like, oh, so maybe maybe he always had a family, and that's why he was, like, working for the Lord Ruler in the first place. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I guess. It's just – it's one of those things, like, we never really saw much about him. So, And right. I, I, I assume from the fact that you've told us it doesn't come up in the book itself. So, Not that I recall. Maybe it does, and I'm just, like, spoiled it. Now. I don't know. No, no Gordel, that, Gordel's name is not in the book at all. So yeah, That revelation will be so <laughs> – ruined by the fact that we know now it's like oh yeah remember this guy like who was a minor character from the first trilogy yeah it's his ancestor this will totally change your understanding of the books completely <laughs> and so she gets back down and meets Melon, who made her own way down somehow Melon's like yeah so that's how i do she's like seriously we will aid thee in thy desperation and Melon's like i can be divine when i need to be i've had a long time to practice and then there's the there's the moment I love where Mary says, like, well, why don't you use that act around me? And Malin's like, maybe this is the act. Maybe my duty as Harmony Servant is to show people what they need to see, whatever will bring them the most peace. And Marissa is like deeply disturbed by this for a second. And then Malin's like, nah, I'm just messing with you, man. Yeah, I'm just fucking with you. I'm not <laughs> doing that. That'd be pretty sweet if I was, though, right? <laughs> and... The snoring thing wasn't just like a joke. She's like, oh, no, I had to investigate him when Harmony was first looking for Palm. I guess somebody thought that maybe he would have been a good candidate to be replaced. And uh, it's like, no, he he snores like crazy. (laughs) And then we go we cut back to Chapu, who is explaining what happened when he uh, had his fare tonight that freaked him out so much. And so he's like, I was kind of freaked out by the fact that this guy came out of the church, hands like all red. And then I started hearing weird shit in there. <laughs> a dry, it's like I was bearing the demon spawn in my coach, a driver for Iron Eyes himself. What good would it do to run? It had my soul. Damn, okay. This guy's, uh, this guy's having a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, I know what you're thinking. I killed that priest, didn't I? The bloody hands are mine. Oh, God. And Wax's like, no, dude, dude, chill. It was not you. It's It was just somebody messing with you, a charlatan, as he says. And apparently uh, the, the, the dude left some bones behind in, his, in the carriage. Or I guess. What the it, hell am I going to do with this? Bleeder is a female, so I guess it was uh, not a dude, but yeah. And then Wax finds some weird glowy stuff. 
And he's like, what, what's on, on the robes? He's like, this is weird. What's up with this? And he asked him where he drew, drove the coach. And Chapu says, Lestib Square. So Lestiborn's uh, made it. There's a Lestib Square named after him, presumably. It whispered to me, lawman, I will make you free. Left him some money, though. So that's good. And Chapu's gradually figuring out, it's like, so if I'm not crazy, that means that thing I saw was real. And Wax says yes. And he's like, I'd kind of rather be crazy. Um, and Wax tells him the thing probably doesn't want you dead. And he says, probably, is it probably? No, no way to tell for certain. But I bet money against it. At least it doesn't want you more dead than everyone else in the city. So, And it says Chapu looked sick. And Wax thinks, damn, I was sure that last part was comforting. <laughs> Just, okay. Wax, I'm sure there's not much you can actually say to this guy at this point that's going to make you feel better. He's either crazy or there's this demon monster that's going to set him free, whatever that means. <laughs> not not good any way you look at it. No, especially when you're like, yeah, I think I might want to kill everyone in the city. But uh, so it's not personal, at least. So you can be happy about that. Yeah, not specifically targeting you. <laughs> targeting everybody. Oh, gosh. It's like, yeah, well, you know what? If a T-Rex bites me in half, it not, might not specifically want to eat me. But it did anyway, so. <laughs> it wanted to eat you. Don't lie. Yeah. But so not then, me specifically. It was just like, no, oh, yeah. It's just hungry. You happen to be there. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. He looks tasty enough. So then we get some more broadsheet pages. Uh, I like the big ad for A Hero for All Ages where you got Vin and Ellen and uh, there's like a new opera about it. <laughs> a yeah. love to span eternity. Dummy that I am, like, before going to the next page on my Kindle app, I, like, just read the tiny newsprint and it took <laughs> a while. And then I went to the next page and I was like, oh, it's all right here in regular sized letters. <laughs> okay, well. I also like uh, the political cartoon where the Lion of Elendel is spanking New Saran and says, it's bedtime without <laughs> supper, too. But, uh, but why? <laughs> yeah. I feel like we don't get a lot of information here, but this is kind of a peek into maybe some of the politics within the rim. Mm. Because if you look at the map, New Saran is way out there. It's like on the edge. And uh, so this is Elendel is in some way uh, expressing authority over this other city. I mean, that's, you know, it's basically Miles's whole thing. It's like, you know, the, the rich folk in Elendel, they take everything and leave us with shit and tell us we can't yeah. do good stuff and blah, 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 blah. You're not wrong. Did Miles have a side gig as, like, a cartoonist? <laughs> They're just reusing some of his stuff. And then we get the nuisance of negligent coin shots, where this person is like, I've had to replace three lampposts and a gate because coin shots keep fucking up my shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of it. Let's take back our dignity. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. I just love We're that any not going to take it. Anytime no! something is slightly bad, like these people are like, this is like going back to the world of Ash all over again. We don't have to take this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you guys have no idea what no you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. There were volcanoes popping up out of the ground everywhere. But you're right. This is just yeah. as bad. I mean, <laughs> I see what you guys are saying. That is terrible. <laughs> I see what you guys are saying, and I don't disagree with you. But people do that in, like, the real world as well. Every time something goes wrong, it's like, oh, going back to the bloody Dark Ages. You're not wrong. 
then we get a story about visitors from another world. This lady yeah, runs into yeah. yeah. She, she's out in the in the wilderness and she runs into a figure hunched by a pool, piercing eyes and a face like some otherworldly beast. I hadn't the courage to engage this visitor. So, hmm, there's a pool and there's someone who may be from another world. It's just... Maybe maybe there's someone else we know in another world where there was some kind of mystical pool. <laughs> right? Yeah, mm. uh, excuse me. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say, it's like... Um, get that check. <laughs> it's like one of those death monsters from Sixth of the Dusk. Mm. They, a bunch of them do live right next to that pool. It's, it's like a tripped fell into the pool and somehow managed to wind up here. Uh, she might be. She'd probably be dead though. Yeah. I mean, it's either that or it's Hoyd wearing a fancy mask. So. <laughs> and then we get it's another. Right, impersonating Hoyd without bones. Ooh. Mm. Deep. The conjurer's like, hey, I like this guy. I want to be him. And Hoyd's like, you have no idea what you signed up for. <laughs> and then we get another bit of Gentleman Jack's story, the Sinister Soiree, where he's in New Saran and confronting this gunman whose mustache is waxed straight horizontal to a perfect point. I, I just I, my favorite part is you'll recall in the last episode, a sport of spirits where I'd been forced to flare most of my tin to counteract the effects of winning a gentlemanly impromptu wine sipping contest earlier in the evening. <laughs> An impromptu wine sipping contest. Oh, Jack. What a guy. Yeah, that shit happens to me all the time. Somebody's <laughs> like, oh, dude, we're about to do this wine tasting. I'm like, I'm in. This <laughs> uh, reminds me of there's a bit in South Park where Stan is calling out his dad for being an alcoholic. And he's, and the dad's like, I am not an alcoholic. It's like, dad, you're having a wine right now. I'm not having a wine. I'm having six. It's called a tasting and it's classy. <laughs> Uh, classic Stan. Or what's his dad's name? Steve? Randy. Randy, thank you. Randy. I was I was just doing a, a crossword puzzle the other day where one of the questions was like, what Stan's mom's name is? And I kept being like, Shelly? No, Shelly's his sister. But that was the only thing occurring. It took me forever to get Sharon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Random South Park divergence. So back to back to Wax. He's hanging out outside the governor's mansion now. Kind of just looking at shit. Oh my god, you killed a Pathian. You bastard. And he does consider <laughs> sending someone for Lord Harms, which Joe was concerned about uh, earlier, about, you know, Lord Harms just being left there. And so he's like, he thinks about it, and he's like, nah, I'll leave yeah. him there. Uh, I still was like, wait, 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 wait. Why? <laughs> Better he stay Why? on his rooftop. <laughs> yeah, does he even have any food? Like, what's what are you doing, man? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like we're going to be right. It's going to be the end of the book. And it's like, ah, fuck, we forgot him. And go up there and be like, oh, my God. He's like, he's barely alive. He's like, thank he's... God, has the danger passed? Yeah, like three weeks ago. Sorry about that. <laughs> he's eaten half his shoe. Yeah. I thought I was going to have to boil another shoe. <laughs> Where'd you get a pot boil of water? <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> It's like, I'm very rich, so I had someone deliver it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had someone deliver all that, but not any food. Not any food. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, where'd you get that gun? I hid it in my buttocks. Uh... I saw it in a movie with a watch. Yeah. 
I had this hit this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass. Oh no, 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 we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're gonna get into oh, a Christopher Walken impression off, and those oh. those never end. You got a you got a good one, Dak. Let's hear it, buddy. Uh, you really want to take that gun? Uh, I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ever see that movie Nick of Time where he's the bad guy and Johnny Depp is like the good guy? Oh God, I haven't seen that in fucking decades. Yeah, I know it's been a really long time. Nick it's of an, time, it's an man. odd movie. Yeah. Weird. He's 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 a decent bad guy though. Okay. So Wax is hopping around buildings outside the governor's mansion, and that's Bleeder pops into his head like, oh, there you are. And then Bleeder starts talking about like, hey, did you know? Basically, he's trying to or she's trying to explain white blood cells and shit to him. It's like, hey, did you know that you have these tiny things inside you? Even surgeons don't know about them. That's how small they are. And they just like fight stuff when it gets in there. And Wax is just like, "Um, okay, where are you? Close watching you and the governor. I will need to kill him, you know. And so Wax starts walking because he knows Bleeder's close enough to hear him. But if Bleeder wants to stay close enough to hear him, Bleeder will have to move and he will spot her. So, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of what we knew from hemology in the previous books and the fact that uh, Ruin could talk to people. And mm-hmm. I know Ruin's like sort of an ethereal kind of guy, so maybe this doesn't apply to him. But it's like, what's the distance rule on this? It's a really good question because, yeah... Like, Ruin was basically everywhere at once, right? So he could hear you and speak to you, and that it wasn't an issue because he was, like you say, ethereal. But with Bleeder, who knows? Yeah, Bleeder's tangible, so... Mm. I don't know. Yeah, like, this is just, like, uh, scratching, like, that itch in the back of my head. It's like, I need to figure this out, and I don't know how. (laughs) I don't have enough information to solve this puzzle. We need to science this. (laughs) It's like... Bleeder, you stand there. I'm going to go, I'm going to walk, and you keep talking, and I'll see when I can't hear you anymore. And then Bleeder kills everyone. Right. And so Bleeder I says that... we're in a world where they eat metal. Yep. Like, you know, magical powers. And we're like, mm, I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I buy all that stuff. Fine. Like, the rules of that were already established. Like, that was, that was yeah. established books ago. Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of accept that Yep, okay, she's obviously close enough, and therefore Wax goes, well, she's obviously close enough. She must be around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Jamie, don't try to don't try to fit us in and conform us to your world. I know. <laughs> I, just, I just suck the fun out of everything. I know this is up. Oh, she was amused by that. Um. Yeah. <laughs> the bleeder is telling him that she's going to set everyone free. I'm going to take this people and I'll open their eyes. And there's there's one interesting point to me where uh, Bleeder says, you know he's just another pawn. And Wax says, I don't know that. And Bleeder says, I wasn't talking to you that time, Waxillium. So that's kind of... Uh, I wonder what that's about. Well, I mean, we know she has associates in some sense because there was, like, we already talked... Like, there was another point earlier when it's like, oh, there were two people here, not just one. So, mm-hmm. um, out of that, she's just talking to a victim as she kills them. So, I thought she might have been talking to Harmony. Could be. Yeah, that's where my thoughts went to. Me but, also. Well, hang on. If she's, if she's talking to Harmony, couldn't Harmony then find her? Maybe. That's a good question, actually. Yeah. 
but that is when he spots her on the second floor. His his uh, his technique of trying to ferret her out works. And as soon as he picks her out, she's like, oh, you're good. Ever the detective. And he goes, not really. I mean, in the rough, you, you basically just use guns for stuff. And she's like, oh, well, that's a fun lie. Do you tell that to, at parties to use who've read too many stories about the roughs? They don't like hearing about interrogating family members of a man gone bad or tracking down gunsmiths to see who fixed an outlaw's rifle. And he's like, how do you know about that stuff? I do my homework. It's a conjure thing, which I assume Malon explained. So we we also have found out that uh, she knows that Malon is involved in the hunt for her and is working with Wax. So she's been keeping tabs. And then Bleeder whispers audibly, have you asked him? Harmony, have you asked him why he didn't save Lessie? A whisper at the right time telling you not to split up, a warning in the back of your mind telling you not to go down that tunnel. You could have saved her so easily. He could have just snapped his fingers and made Bloody Tan drop dead on the spot, but he didn't. Have you asked why? And uh, Wax does not like this area of inquiry. He's like, you don't get to talk about her. Yeah, no joke. And Bleeder's like, what? maybe he wanted her to die. And that's when Wax starts shooting. Not really to hit her, but just because he's got to do something. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, you know, he's pretty upset, understandably. Yeah. And that's when Bleeder makes her move at super speed, going for the governor. And by the time Wax gets down there, there's already a bunch of people down. And Bleeder's thinking at him, like, really? Still using a gun? You can't kill me with that. He's Although like, he'd not the put. Not the first time I've used a gun on someone that couldn't be killed by it. Doesn't stop me trying. You're not wrong. Some, somewhere Miles just going, oh, God, not this shit again. <laughs> and I mean, it's not like using the gun was completely useless. Like, definitely True. slows it down at points. Yeah. 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 He managed to, like, break an ankle bone. So that's yeah. uh, that, even if even if you that's not going to, you know, hurt you long term that uh, you can't help you at being fast. <laughs> Exactly. But Bleeder runs into the middle of a bunch of people who are trying to shoot at Bleeder and end up hitting each other more so than... Yeah. So frustrating. But that's when we get the moment where, uh, as she's moving fast, all of a sudden he's moving fast too, because Wayne is uh, one of the fallen bodies. It's all a trick, which it never occurred to me before seeing this that that would help with your super speedy nemesis here, if uh, mm-hmm. Wayne speed bubble like equals it out, which is like, oh, hey, that's kind of yeah. that's really clever, actually. That was that was great. Of course, it's still hard to do anything to her because, you know, he, he's going to shoot at her and the speed bubble deflects the bullets. So but uh, his solution to that is I'm just going to shoot a shit ton of bullets and probably some of them will hit. So it's all good. There's a line from that uh, terrible League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie that's always stuck with me. So I'm sure Connery's giving Tom Sawyer a bunch of shit and just says, like, oh, very American of you. Fire enough bullets and hope to hit the target. Yep. That was going through my head here. And then while she's distracted by all those bullets, he tries to get that needle into her. And it just barely misses because it's also deflected by the speed bubble. And then she goes into the room where the governor is. Here's Wax, here's a gunshot. And when he gets in there, Drim, the governor's chief bodyguard, is bleeding from the neck. And the governor's sitting there trying to stop the blood. 
Oh no, mm. Drim, our favorite guy. <laughs> and the governor's like, help, help. I do, I do like that though. When characters who have been, you know, not not bad guys, but like, you know, unpleasant people to the protagonist, uh, like they still go out in a blaze of glory, saving someone else selflessly. I'm just like, ah, oh, that's yeah. cool. You yeah. got a little bit. Yep. Yeah, he was a bit shit, but he wasn't bad, you know. Yeah, he just didn't like wax and look fair. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, like, the bodyguard jumped in front of a bullet and took it. Uh, took a bullet for the governor. So yeah, that's some good bodyguard. Yep. And so Drim's gone. Wayne says, and then Wax sends Wayne up to help out with some other casualties. And Wax gets exchanges the the secret pass codes with the governor, so he can confirm that this is actually him. This isn't like Bleeder didn't come in here, kill the governor, eat him, and change into him that fast. And so apparently she came in here, took a shot, and then left. And he's like, why? Like, she could have easily finished me off. And Wax thinks she's only had ferrochemical powers for a couple of weeks, and you have to save up speed to use speed. And so it takes a while to save up, you know. She's used a lot so far, this book. And he thinks to himself, also, maybe she just wanted to scare the governor. I don't know. And he's trying to get the governor to leave again, and the governor's like, "Uh, no, have you seen what's going on out there? I'm going to have to talk to these people. Which, again, I'm just like, all right. It's it's not the smart play, but it I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, especially after what's just happened, it's like showing a bit of backbone. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, I need to ad- I need to address this. I can't just run and hide. Even Wax is like, I mean, I got to respect the guy's grit. Yep. And then Wax goes down the tunnel that Bleeder disappeared down, finds a red cloak, because uh, we didn't mention it, but she was wearing like Marksman's uh, outfit from earlier in the book. And then she finds... A crude picture of a man drawn with a fingernail in the wood, and then in blood, little eyes, and some words also scrawled in blood. I rip out his tongue to stop the lies. I stab out his eyes to hide from his gaze. You will be free. That's not creepy or anything. No, not at all. (laughs) And uh, then we get Wayne's point of view, where he goes to the fancy washroom and he has this whole internal monologue about how rich people like make up these special words for stuff like washroom uh, instead of just calling it the crapper because that's how they ferret out poor poor people. When someone calls it the crapper, they Another know it was a person Wayne they need moment. to oppress. Yes, it's very <laughs> it's very Wayne. Got to figure out who to oppress. It's very important. And he sees the embro- the the initials or name embroidered on the towels, and he's like, is he, does he really think? It, is that is he that worried someone's going to steal them? Jeez. And then uh, he, Wayne does take one, but he trades for some mints that he'd taken from the bar earlier, so it's fine. Yeah, even though I took these from your house, these things were free, so then I can trade them for whatever I want. <laughs> we learned that the terrace language has seven words for iron, which is kind of interesting, although I don't know exactly why. And in the meantime, Wax has given someone a package for Renette. And says, deliver quickly, pound on the door, wake her up if you have to. Don't get scared if she cusses at you or threatens to shoot you. She, she's not going to do that. <laughs> Stay there until she reads what I wrote. Understood? Okay. And so Wayne's like, Renette? And Wax says, yeah, I thought of something that might help. And Wayne's like, I could have gone. And she's like, no, you, she would shoot. <laughs> Only because she likes me. Wayne, you know she doesn't actually like you. you well, always that's say, the problem. He doesn't. Yeah, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Like, he's he's built up this this 
thing in his head where he's like, no, you just don't understand, Wax. She keeps shooting me to keep me alive, to keep me on my toes because she knows about my dangerous life that I lead and she wants to make sure I stick around. <sighs> Awkward. I also like when he explains the poem that he found to Wayne. Wayne's response is, no, I'm as for dismemberment as the next fellow. But that's a mic mm-hmm. violent for this time of day. Yeah, I mean, dismemberment's all well and good, but uh, at least take a guy out to dinner first, buy him a cup of coffee, and then dismember him. <laughs> yeah, like dismemberment's a lunchtime thing. We're, we're, part, we're into dessert now. Like, come on. And they theorized that maybe she was marksman all along, which is an interesting possibility. I don't know that it makes a big difference, but... And Wax says that he's kind of turned the common folk against him by uh, taking down Marksman. And Wayne goes, um, they didn't actually like you very much in the first place. Well, Wax's like, what are you talking about? I'm a hero from the roughs. And Wayne's like, dude, you're a cop and a house lord, and you can fly. <laughs> this is not weathering. You can't convince a fellow you're on his side by slapping him in jail overnight and playing cards with him until he sees you as a regular chap. <laughs> and then did we he, find. Did he do that? I assume probably a lot. I mean, you know, I'm amazed that works. Right. Even at the lawless places. He says, you're right, of course. And Wayne says, usually am. And he says, except that time on Leslie's birthday. You always have to bring that up, don't you? It was an honest mistake. You put dynamite in the oven, Wayne. (laughs) Gotta hide a gift where nobody will look for it. All right. I don't want to know exactly how that ended, but (laughs) not well is what I'm getting from this. Uh, I think we can assume that after that, whoever's house this was, that they had to move. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wayne is back to taking all the little uh, the little party foods from the trays of the people walking by. <laughs> I love how that was like made out to be this big dramatic. Oh my god, something's happening! They've swung into action. Oh no, it's just Wayne's found the food. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it was. <laughs> Candied bacon wrapped around a walnut. And Wax says, how is it? Sounds not good. It tastes like Mm. cotton candy made of baby. (laughs) Okay. Ew. Yeah, no. And so we also find out that uh, Melon is going to be helping out, disguised as one of the guards who got shot. The guard died, and Melon has taken the body, and they're just going to pretend that she got shot in the arm. So hopefully next time Bleeder will be so busy looking out for Wayne that she will miss Malon. And I, she's, I like that Malon's complaint is I hate being short and also this lady tasted bad. <laughs> and uh, she she's like, look, hey, it's either the worms or me, kids. Don't don't you think she'd be happy to go all out all at once? No, 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 no. Hang on. Like, she's just going on about how an aged body is the best thing ever. And both Wax and Wayne are uncomfortable with this. And it's like, Wayne, you literally, earlier on this same page, made a joke about something tasting like baby. It's true. <laughs> like, no, no, you don't get to like to be squeamish about this <laughs> after that. And then there's a whole talk about how hair is the really annoying part. Uh, you got to get all the hair just where it goes. And it's super, it, it's super bothersome. Hey, man, I've been there. And uh, she says that Palm is older and very practiced, so maybe not as good as Ten soon, but she'll be way faster than me. Sure. And Wayne's response is, isn't that tough? Like, I once had to eat 20 sausages for a bet. Spent an hour on the ground moaning like a fella. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) 
That was my favorite line. You, you skipped right past it. He's talking about stuff getting out of his... Uh... Right. Trying to force a mango through his delicate donut. Yeah, his delicate catch donut. Meaning. Yeah, basically he had a giant poop. Yeah. <laughs> no, he... he delicate he did, donut, he, great band name. He yeah. didn't even have a giant poop. He he says he was on the ground moaning like someone who was having a... Right. Like, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Giant sausage poop. I get it. It's a joke. I like, her response is, "You're cute," and he goes, uh, uh, "I'm taken." Sorry, ladies, Sorry. I'm taken. <laughs> and she goes, "Actually, that's not the problem. Like, we can expel excess, uh, which makes doing transformation near a drain, like in here, convenient." Which, okay, that's gross. <laughs> yeah, that is gross. <laughs> I can expel whatever I need to. You know, it's fine. Like, what's that and, dripping noise? Nothing. <laughs> oh, nothing. And she says, fortunately, for a quick change like this, I can ignore the hair under the clothing. And Wayne's like, so we maybe could tell if someone was a chondra by – and she goes, seeing if they had leg or arm hair? That might work, but only if they had to go fast. And Wayne's like, arm hair. Right. Yeah. I was thinking I of arm hair. <laughs> <laughs> now, Wayne, I thought you were uh, taking okay. Oh, gosh. Keeping yeah. Wayne's comment aside, though, especially if it's cold and winter, you'd be like, Looking at that woman's legs, going, "Have you shaved? You shaved in winter." merit to this idea. Got her, got her, guys. Found her. I feel like Wayne's are more, more like. Uh, I don't think any of the Sanderson books we've read so far have had comments quite like Wayne's. Is what I'm going. Oh, no. And they Wayne, never Wayne will again. Oh gosh. I also like he shows her what he found, the glowy stuff, but it's not glowing because it's not dark. He's like, hey, have you ever seen this? And she's like, I don't have a lot to go on here, chief, but I'd say it's an empty glass vial. But no, it turns out that this is a bioluminescent fungus only growing that only grows in the Chondra homeland. And Wax is like, oh, OK, so we'd expect her to go there. And Malon's like, no, we don't hang out there anymore. We have homes. If we want to meet up with others, we catch them at the pub. The fact that she was there wearing the body of someone she killed, that's nauseating. And so Harmony gives Wax permission to go into the Contra homeland. I'd like to buy that good-looking blob a drink. Just don't break anything, lawman. It's acid, by the way, that I'm buying. <laughs> so I'm an assassin! And the footman comes up and says, Lord Ladrian, your coach has arrived. And Wayne's like, what the fuck was he doing with the coach? He flies everywhere. And Wax looks at the car and he's like, okay, let's do this. And Wayne picks up on what's happening because Wax says there's only one person in town who might have an inkling what Bleeder's up to. And Malon's like, what are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> Wax like, have you ever heard of the set? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. And so here's where we get the thing. Based on the note, the, the book that he stole from his uncle last time, the date book or appointment book or whatever, he found a safe deposit box of his uncle's. And watched it for several weeks before he found a letter inside suggesting that he try something else. And since then, he's kind of exchanged letters through this Dropbox with his uncle. And his uncle's actually very, uh, you know, cordial. It's like, nephew, you can't imagine my joy upon receiving your note. And with a promise to not arrest me. So quaint. I came immediately. I feel like we've been too distant lately. And Wax is like, you tried to have me killed. And Edward's like, and you did the same thing. So, you know, whatever. Did he? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I remember this, but okay. And Wax is uh, kind of rude, and he's like, D -d 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 can't we just be pleasant? 
And Edward's like, man, this this is a rough night outside. I wonder if this is anything like that night so long ago. The night when the Survivor's Gambit played out. I like that that's the name of it. That's a cool name for it. Yeah. And Wax is like, the world is really different than it was back then. Like, this is not Lord Ruler times. And Edward's like, yeah, maybe. But human emotions are the same. So no matter how nice the box is, if you put a man inside it, he will fight. And Wax is like, and you're on the side of the common man, really. He's like, no, hardly. I want power, wealth, influence, just like the Survivor's crew, actually. And they're arguing. He's like, they were heroes. And his song's like, they were thieves, actually. Which, he's not wrong. True. Yeah, I mean, I think in the original trilogy, in the second book, they they say several times, like, why are we doing this? We This isn't us. Like, we, we were a bunch of thieves and con artists, and now we're having to run this country? Like... Why are we here? Kelsey, why did you do this to us? And he, Edward makes one interesting point where he's like, you ever wonder if you would have gotten along with them back then? A bunch of miscreants and lawbreakers? Would you have trussed up the Ascendant Warrior and tossed her in a cell? Mm. A guy did that one time. That, that did happen, yeah. Mm. And uh, Edward, Ed, Edward then is like, you know, one wonders why our house is considered a laughing stock these days. I'm told they invite you to parties just to see you strut. Uh, and so he's like, okay, look, the reason I asked you here is because I think we have a common, common enemy uncle. Like, what do you know about what is going on here? I'm certain the set has been watching. You tried to kill me earlier. Tell me that was just a strike of opportunity. Tell me you're not working with her because she wants everything to burn. And, uh, Edwin actually admits that Wax's pursuit of them has caused them some issues. Half the city's criminal elements are too frightened to work with the set for fear that you'll show up on their doorstep and shoot their mothers. Got more That's chance of run. You got more chance of winning the Powerball than running into him. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I don't like tonight. Yet Trying again, to wax signal up into the sky. I was about to say, yet again, wax is Batman. Yep. Yep. Hey, the song just, works. It's just shining up a signal. It's just a candle dripping. And his uncle's like, no, no, okay. I'm one of the conservatives in the set. I'm pushing back against violence, but the more you attack us, the stronger their uh, the other voices get. And he's like, oh, shit, you are working with her. And he's like, more like riding the storm, basically. But in the end of it, he's like, look, I'm not going to help you. I can't. I can't help you here. And Wax's like, you're just going to watch everything burn? And his response is, ashes are excellent fertilizer. Unless they get smothered in ashes. Sounds familiar. World of ash. Yep. Everyone complaining, oh, but going back to the world of ash. Well, maybe. Hmm. World of Ash, that should be my nephew's band name. <laughs> um, and then he brings up his sister again, and his uncle's like, basically, I'm going to keep your sister because I may have to use her against you at some point. So, Also, while I have her, you can't kill me or uh, you'll never find her. And Wax ends it by being like, look, I'm going to deal with this conjurer, but I'm not going to forget you, uncle. And uh, he's like, one day I'm going to I'm going to be there. I'm going to come for you. And everyone's like, I'm looking forward to it. If it doesn't happen before next summer, then you should join me for Meriwether dinner. We'll have a stuffed pig in your honor. I, I like just how uh, how well-mannered he is, and, uh, and, and uh, he really stays pretty cordial, this whole uh, conversation, despite the fact that he's a huge asshole, and especially in the, like, the flashback that we had earlier in this book. It's like, this guy's kind of despicable. But I like him here. He's fun. Well, that's the end of our chapters. Let us move into predicaments. So we've had uh, a couple little reveals, not a whole lot of information coming out, but we're now we have three episodes left in this book. So 
what do you guys think mm. is going to happen? Yeah, gosh, I don't know. I feel like there's so much that has to be resolved before we get to the end, and three episodes is not a not a lot of time to do it. I think. Okay, what I'm hoping for is that we actually see Tensoon in the homeland. Maybe he's still chilling out down there. Oh, that would be a good place for him to show up, right? If he was actually going to show up. Yeah, What's this dog maybe. doing here? Yeah. I mean, you never know. Maybe Tensoon is, is someone's pet now. <laughs> Just randomly show up. It's like, you know, actually, your dog didn't die. Here's a good bit of news. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Shadow's I, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Who knows? But, yeah, I, I'm still really hoping that we do, do actually see Tenzu in this book, but we'll see how that goes. I don't know. I just don't feel like we've got enough pieces of the puzzle to figure out what's going to go on. I think we've spoken before about we've still got all these missing women from the first book that we haven't resolved that yet. I don't know that we're going to figure that out in this book. I'm hoping that's not something that's just left dangling for the end of time. Surely we, we figure out where they are but it just doesn't feel like it fits here very well. Although now that we've had Edwin in there, maybe maybe it'll come up. Not sure. Bleeder and the governor. Oh, okay, yep, so the governor. I think he's kind of like I need to stand up and get sort of the people on board with whatever he wants to do, and then Aradil wants him to shut down the city, and I feel like we're going to have some conflict there. Maybe, maybe the governor's going to do what he wants to do and that's going to cause even more problems. We've definitely got this this city riot coming up, I think, with a sense of the urgency. We'll probably see that play out pretty quickly now, which will cause some problems. But I don't really have much more than that. Really, I f- still feel like this story could go anywhere at this point. Mm. That's an interesting point that uh, I hadn't actually considered is that, yeah, he's asking – Faradell's asking for martial law to clear out the pubs and kind of quiet things down. And the governor's like, I want to talk to the people. So, yeah, there may be a conflict there. Yeah, and I just I just don't see that martial law would go down very well. And I feel like they're already stretched with resources. Even if they did declare martial, uh, martial law, it's not. I don't think it would be effective. Yeah, maybe not. That's a good. Uh, who knows how many cops they have total. Mm. Okay, so not long to go. I... I keep coming back to the drawing, uh, the little sketch of dismemberment that uh, Bleeder left behind. And it really makes me think, like, uh, I think I should need to go back to what my initial thought was. Uh, she, something has snapped inside her and she is, like, rebelling against Harmony and, like, the people that he has created. Like, this could be, like, a dogma thing where it's where she's like, oh, why the hell do the humans get all the good stuff and, like, where hell does agents for them? Like, why can't the Kandre inherit the Earth? So maybe that's what she's trying to bring about, just to spit in uh, Harmony's face a bit. She wants the human society to tear itself apart, but her, just so that, you know, she can laugh at Harmony and say, this is what your, you know, precious humans have done. The whole bit about uh, escaping from his gaze is like, she's already done that by pulling out one of his spikes. So she ripped out his tongue, which is what he uses to communicate with people. Yeah, it's ripped out, ripped out the spike. That's the tongue that he uses to talk to everyone. So I think, yeah, I think that's Bleeder's end goal. Um, I don't like, you know, there's more books in this series, so I'm fairly certain she doesn't accomplish it. But I think that's her goal and her end game. So don't know how we're gonna resolve that whole issue with her, but I feel like, um, like she will get hit with this syringe full of goop, 
that makes them melt. I, but I think someone else is going to administer it. Like it's not going to be any of our main characters. I feel like right at the end, someone, it might be Aradel, could be Tenzun comes in and does the heroic sacrifice. And, and maybe, maybe if it's Aradel, they die, like he dies uh, getting the syringe into bleeder, but I think that's how mm. she's going to go out. Okay. Yeah, it does feel very Chekhov's gun, right? Like, if we don't see uh, a Condra getting hit with this thing, then what was the point of all of that we've had with it so far? Yeah, but it's like it's going to be this despair of like, no, like we're all beaten and we couldn't get it into her and now she's going to kill us all. And then some you know, kind of like how like last last book with Marisite, it's like no one was paying any attention to her and she was the key to undoing Miles. It's going to be some other character uh, who no one's paying attention to at this point. Mm. Um, and like, yeah, I, part of me, I, I think I really wanted to be Aradel. I don't know if it will be, but it'd be nice to see him just like come in and like actually let the let the police win this one sure so are, are you still t- sticking to your you think Aradel's gonna die prediction as part of that maybe okay like he gets cl- he gets close enough jams in and as she turns around and she like she snaps his neck or something but as she as she does that she just deep blobs okay yeah i can see that yeah it makes sense hmm interesting uh i'm gonna stick with my overall themes for my predictions predicaments so far that being i think that edwin is actually wax's dad whether or not we find that out in this book or not i don't know and then also i do think that bleeder is going to end up being the conjure that was you know that was lessie and maybe maybe lessie's even her like true body or one that she picked i don't know That'd be interesting if she was, if it was. Hmm. But anyway, and I do think we're going to go to the homeland. I do think that we're going to see Tensun, hopefully, because why on God's, why on Harmony's planet would uh, would they keep mentioning Tensun and then Tensun not show up? That'd be really annoying. That would. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. really being brought up a lot, isn't he? Yes, he's been brought up several times and I'm kind of like uh, over it I'm like okay either show us 10 either deliver 10 sun to me or stop <laughs> talking about him bring 10 get off the uh, pot yeah me. yeah bring him to me and so you know 10 sun's gonna show up uh whether in dog form or not it'd be it'd actually be funnier to me if he just like was some random guy and then and then uh he's like Psst, hey I'm Tensun. What's going on? And his like true bones were dog bones, but he just like put put like human bone human stuff over the bones, like the true body or whatever that he 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 has. Yeah. And uh, it'd be cool just to see like to have a display of how quick he is at changing bodies since he's of the what is he? He's the third generation, right? Yep, third generation. So it'd be be cool to see how quick he can do that. I do think that the leader is going to get stabbed. I think maybe that's what Wax sent to Renette is like a plan of some kind of projectile where they can administer the syringe. Oh, that would kind of be up Renette's alley, right? Yeah, so I think that's probably perhaps what he submitted to uh, the messenger to give to Renette. It's like, hey, I need a way to administer the syringe uh, to somebody who, who can, you know, move super fast. So that'll be that'll be cool. Or or maybe he just in general, which would be a really cool idea. Maybe in general, he's coming up with a plan uh, to have Renette create projectiles that he can shoot out of speed bubbles and will go straight out of the speed oh, bubbles. That, that would yeah. also be that would also be pretty sweet. <laughs> that would be sweet. But like, you know how she has to test this, right? 
right she has to yeah, have wayne on the firing range yeah exactly exactly so um so yeah that'd be uh that'd be cool uh to see hopefully that's something like that is what's going on with renette and yeah i i i kind of like dax idea that maybe uh Maybe Aradel or somebody will be the somebody random will be the one to kind of get the win here. I think I think it'd be nice to have the cops get the win because it would kind of I, I kind of puts the spotlight more on them than on Wax because I think the spotlight being on Wax, this book has kind of continually continuously shown like, hey, yeah, it's not a good idea for Wax to get all this attention with what he's doing because most of it's uh, ending up being negative. So he probably needs to take a step back. So my other theory and thought on that is possibly that things go so wrong at the end of this book that something really terrible happens and then Wax is blamed for it. And he's like stripped of his constabulary status and stuff and maybe even ostracized from the city. And then like that would be a really cool kind of I I feel like that's like a trope in detective stories where it's like the detective is ousted from all of their usual resources. And then in the third book, you know, he's got to kind of, he's going to kind of play it rough style under the, under the radar and stuff because nobody wants to work with him anymore. Um, mm. So I think license to kill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, basically, you know, James Bond and uh, die another day, but better than that. Cause that movie's not good. <laughs> um, so, you know, might be interesting to see. It's a little, I feel like that's slightly tougher uh, in his case because he's like a house lord of a major wealthy house. But sure. Not to but say I mean, it could happen. Yeah. No, yeah, his house could totally collapse, especially if like the set wants that to happen. Mm. Yeah. While he's busy, you know, messing around with doing all the law enforcement stuff, the set's putting money plans in motion to get him to to make him bankrupt or something. Yeah, especially it, if he's pissed them off so much, like that sounds oh, like yeah. a good use of their resources. Oh yeah. yeah, right. And that would be interesting because we know that Wax is like probably the one house lord that it's like if you take away all his money, he's not going to be that put out about it because he's been there. I wonder, I wonder if like now that you said all that, I'm just thinking like your prediction and mine like go hand, like, could go hand in hand. Like the end of the book, Aradel saves the day. Yeah. And the cops and the cops get the win, but that um. But then, like, those disasters are then blamed on mm-hmm. Wax. And let's say Reddy is uh, Aradel's successor to the role, and he's very much not on Team Wax. So then, like, he right. just leads this campaign of anti-Waxness, and that's what gets him forced out. Like, that could really work. Yeah, I wasn't being that specific with it, but I did kind of like your theory. I was kind of jumping off that to form what oh, I yeah, I'm just so. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. It's fun. Then we got it, you know, in the third book, we got a real hard boiled detective who's just like, oh, man, everybody hates me. It's it's like a it's like a male Jessica Jones. It's like, oh, I just caused yeah. trouble and I hurt everybody and I'm a piece of shit. And then, you know, he comes out of it and he's stronger than ever. But then, like, in the third book, he loses Wayne. Wayne dies. And you're like, no, Wayne. And then, you know, <laughs> just uh, just all of it. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, yeah, if, if Wayne dies in the third book and then, like, the fourth one that comes out says Wax and it just has a big cross next to it. Book oh, four. rough. Yeah, that would be – that would not be uh, – wow. Oof. Yeah, there was Man. a Wayne, comic series. Die, buddy. There was a comic series I read, like, back in the day, Cable and Deadpool. And then mm. – spoiler, spoilers for a, a 15-year-old series, but, like, for the last, like, six or so issues of the book, like, they'd made it out Cable was dead, so all the title pages, like – Said Cable and Deadpool, but Cable had a big red X through his name. That, that okay, that's that's fun. harsh. Yeah, Cable, Cable and Deadpool was a fun because of just how 
how weirdly they play off of each other. <laughs> I maintain that's like Deadpool has never been better than that series. Which is why they put Cable in the second movie. I don't know that it worked as well in the movie as it does in the in. Well, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to discuss that right now. Thank you. <sighs> okay. Okay. Let's. Uh, we we got some emails. Let's let's email it up. Email. Send it to us. Sanderlance Gmail. Uh, Sanderlance Podcast at Gmail dot com. We have one that I almost heard last time that was lots of spoilers. I'm saving that one for the end of the book. So we have two others here. Cool. One is from Sasha. Baron Cohen? No. Oh, okay. I have email. It's nice. Yes. Very nice. So Sasha says, uh, the over- I feel the overarching story of Shadows of Self is really good, but I have to agree with Joe and Dak that there's a lot of surprising narrative clumsiness. I found it really jarring when last week's reading opened with young Waxillium, age 12, looked from one coin to another, and then had... The youthful Waxillium looked from one to another, literally two paragraphs later. And then there's... Oh, I didn't even notice that. No, I didn't. I didn't pick yeah, up on that either. either. And then there's the Chondra spotting serum. That's what we were just... This, the stuff we were just talking about. I'm sure Brandon has some backstory in mind that makes sense, but he didn't include it. And the serum comes across, across as a plot contrivance. I mean, I can't figure out when this stuff would have been invented and why. If it was in era, era one, then the Chondra were either outdoing their contracts, and Tensum seems to be the only one to break his... Or they were hanging out in the homeland. If it's during Harmony's reign, then Palm is the first person with the ability to hide from Harmony. He could just tell the other Conjurer where a troublemaker was, assuming there were any serious problem Conjurer before Palm. So it's just a small detail, but it's driving me crazy since I first read the book, you know? I guess, yeah, like, why would you come up with this serum if, yeah, that's an interesting point. Because Harmony's like Batman, man. You gotta have contingency plans when your super Justice League friends go crazy. Read Tower of Babel, okay? <laughs> anyway, wasn't to the time of Sanderlanch withdrawal, Sasha. So no, I, I agree with you. It doesn't make, like, it does come off as just like, hey, here's some plot stuff. Um, no explanation of why they would ever have needed that before. The next one is from Adam. And Adam, mm. Adam has, uh, I'll go through the whole thing, but it, he's uh, bringing up something that we've already talked about several times. So I don't know how much we want to get into it, but uh, he has some points here. And I will just so he says, hello, Sandra Lynch crew. After listening to the most recent episode in which you discuss Wayne's interactions with Steris, I want to write to share my thoughts on Wayne, namely that while he's a fun character and has some of the best comic relief moments in the series, he's kind of a despicable human being. That statement is pretty harsh. So let me explain. Wayne is narcissistic, misogynistic. A, I'm sorry, a narcissistic, misogynistic sociopath who doesn't seem to care about how other people might feel about his actions. He acts all charming and goofy and Wayne-y, but many of those traits are just him being an asshole while joking about it. And we, as readers, just accept it because, oh, that's just Wayne. And we're mostly seeing things from his or Wax, his enablers, perspective. But to other people, he's being a jerk. For instance, Wayne's kleptomania, which gets jokingly referred to as trading for stuff. If the people don't consent, it's not trading, trading Wayne, it's stealing. But he's able to rationalize it as acceptable, so he doesn't see how it could be actively harmful to the people he's doing it to. Uh, so to take an example of something you've already read, let's take a look at the scene where he breaks into the university to give money in, in person to the girl whose father he killed. On the surface, it seems noble and self-sacrificing even. He's going out of his way to right some of the wrongs he's caused. But if you look at it from another perspective, no one but Wayne wants him to be there. Wayne is performing the worst sort of self-flagellation where he makes himself feel bad so that he can feel better about what a good person he is, all while making everyone else involved uncomfortable or upset. 
The girl has specifically told Wayne she doesn't want to see him, yet Wayne explicitly disregards her wishes and breaks in to see her anyway, knowing that it will cause her distress. And he likes he plays it like it's all a game, calling it a quest in his head and being drunk and a general nuisance. And and his Wayne's treatment of women is just appalling. Some of the things he says in the series to and about women are downright disgusting and don't even get me started on how he acts around Renette trying to woo her, even though she's made it crystal clear she's not interested in him. All in all, I think that while Wayne is certainly a fun and interesting character, if you knew him in real life, you'd be pretty tired of his antics real quick. He's the type of friend that is really annoying and you secretly kind of hate and always groan internally when they show up because, oh God, what are they going to do now? I think my main problem with Wayne is that he doesn't seem to realize or care that his actions are having massive negative consequences on the people around him. All that being said, I think it's fascinating that Brandon has crafted a character in such a way as to have these tremendous flaws and still be likable to the readers. Sorry for the long rant. Had to get my feelings out. Do you guys have different opinions? I'd like to hear your thoughts. I think there's some valid points in there. I hadn't really thought about it that much in that much detail, but I think there's there's something to it. He's yeah, some of what he does is not it's not not a good person, but I still like to read the character. And I agree. It's <laughs> it, he's been written he's been written well for a character that has some pretty despicable traits. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, when you break it down like that and you think about it, it's like, okay, yeah, some of that stuff is really messed up. And we talked about it a little bit last time when you weren't here, Jamie, but it was just like like when you realize that he actually thinks that he and Renette are in a relationship and he's basically like a stalker who's constantly like yeah. getting in her space and coming on to her when she clearly is not interested. It does. It's kind of messed up. And yet we still like to read the crazy shit that he does and says. Like, well, like yeah. He, yeah, he's got some despicable traits, but at the same time, he's got some genuinely good traits i think like he's not you couldn't just pigeonhole him as like oh this horrible person yeah but he's there are still some things that he does really well and that he is a good friend to wax and yeah nobody's perfect and wayne's got a long way to go to being perfect (laughs) i think but yeah i still i still think he's a fun character on the whole yeah, I think the assessment that, uh, you know, he's fun to read, but if you knew him in real life, you would probably hate him is a valid point. Uh, I think that was a, that was a big thing that people would describe about Homer Simpson, which yeah. um, is entirely fair. It's like we love Homer watching his antics, but there are a lot of things about Homer that are pretty terrible. So, uh, yeah, no, it's I, I, I can see it's a similar sort of situation. Yeah, like I love Wa- I love Wayne's witty commentary. I love like his train of thoughts for some things, and then his trains of thoughts for some other things. I'm just like, no, no, not okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, so yes, no, 100% see like see where this guy's coming from, and it's like I don't condone any of the any of the really bad things he's doing. But you're right, it is kind of clever that Brandon has given a character that. You know, you look you look at him from one angle and he looks like just a really fun guy to hang out with. And then you take a step not even that far to the side and it's like, God damn, this guy's got some real problems with what he does. If you had a friend who every time they came over, like they took valuable things from you that you cared about and left like sand or a banana in their place or something, you probably wouldn't oh, invite would him over. would not be friends with that guy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I I agree on the whole with what's been said. Some good points. I also, whenever I hear people talk negatively about a character, which I've talked negatively about characters, and and so what I'm about to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. 
So what I'm about to say may be an unpopular opinion, but what I when I hear people talk negatively about characters, I also stop and think to myself, uh, in this particular instance, what I mean, like Spook, he's just a uh, he's just a whole thing. Wayne is also a whole thing, but at least he's funny, you know. Wayne has the thing where he's a fictional character, and so when you look at all his negative traits since he's fiction fictional it's easy for me to just say okay let me look at the positive traits let me look at the negative traits and and let me just do a a quick list do i like wayne more than i dislike him and does wayne say things that i disagree with yeah of course he does Uh, but he's also not real does (laughs) wayne do a bunch of funny stuff that i think is hilarious yeah of course he does but he's also not real so um do i think what he's doing is right all the time no but do I have a problem with him as an individual? Also, no, because he's not real. So that's one of those things like, yeah, we can we could sit here and we could talk about how awful Wayne is. We could talk about how much we love him. But at the end of the day, he's a guy on a page. Uh, he's not he's not a real human being that we've met. I, I, and if you ever have met a person like that is exactly like Wayne that literally like data said literally steals your stuff and puts a banana there <laughs> and then makes misogynistic jokes and then treats people on the spectrum poorly like run away from that person because that that sounds like a crazy insane thing yeah, that is not even human so you know obviously i feel like Wayne um as the comic relief of the story he's he's comic relief but then, it, and the, but then Brandon decided. Well, he also needs to have like some some realistic human characteristics. So let me give him these other things. Yeah. And, but really, like I think the majority of his role is is not to be deep. I think the majority of his role is comic relief, and so I feel like some of the deeper aspects of his character are not written super appropriately. Which again, maybe it adds to a sort of realism. But at the same sense, Wayne is like a walking hyperbole. Like no, nobody like Wayne exists in real life. Like that that doesn't happen uh at least not that i've ever met or know of uh so you could make a comparison to people that are sort of like him in maybe one or two aspects but but the truth of the matter is there is no one like wayne because wayne is not real mm-hmm. so so yeah i mean i like wayne don't agree with everything wayne says and does obviously but at the end of the day he's a character it's it's fine yeah and like we could we could like debate and pick apart these points for hours and hours and hours like i'm sure people i'm sure people already have but wouldn't get any close to unpacking like a, a final verdict on you know is this someone to be liked or not because there's just too there's too complex to really delve into sure yeah that and honestly at the end of the day it doesn't matter to me if i should <laughs> yeah, because, like wayne uh because he's on a page yeah he's on a page like if i should like him or not doesn't really matter if you now if you say there's something wrong with me liking him well that's your opinion man uh that's just like your opinion man uh i I can like whoever i want it's because that would be my opinion uh so you know that's yeah same same thing yep second verse same as the first and all that it it's funny because it slightly reminds me when we were kids we had uh a cousin who whenever she came over would steal our shit so yeah i'm just like wouldn't put a banana there in its place no yeah Definitely, definitely did steal my stuff. I only ever got to play Croc on PlayStation the one time because then it was gone. <laughs> so uh, I, when you're talking about it, like, you wouldn't want to invite this person over. I'm like, no, I didn't. No, we hated when yeah. she came over because we we're like, ah, crap, something's going to go missing. Yeah. Uh, good, good times, good times. <laughs> also, okay, we, like, 
That's that, that, because, you, sorry, I just want to say, because you kept bringing up the banana, I'm just like, wait, that was Aradel's wife. Maybe yeah, Aradel's that... wife didn't steal the cigar. That was Wayne the whole time. <laughs> the banana was Aradel's wife, but Wayne's left like apples, I think, before. So it's along the same lines. Right, we got we got one Aradel's new review. Wife and she's just like Wayne. Yeah, yeah, she's going to be another Wayne. <laughs> Aradel has to keep her at home so she doesn't steal too much <laughs> shit. Oh, that'd be hilarious, actually. She's because uh, he's like retired or he was retired before he took this job. So I imagine he's like an older dude and she's like an older lady who's just like oh going to God, the store. And taking, yeah, exactly. Uh, she remarried. OK, no, we have one new review. So let's hit on that real quick. This one is from La Tech DMB fan. And what they say is the only podcast I listen to. I've been following this podcast for about a year and they're the only one I can listen to. Everyone is so extraordinarily entertaining, and the theories are so much fun. That's thanks, man. Yeah. Ah, thanks, guy or girl, whichever. Thank you. You're a smoker. You smoker, you. <laughs> uh, so, yes, if you want to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Joe will jump you into the Misting crew. Um, or you can go on back to Patreon, and you'll get to be a, a fairing. Yeah. Or you can do both and be a twin-born uh, like several people now have uh, have gotten. So yeah, the um, yeah. And there's still a couple of if you're crazy enough, there's still a couple of shard about an Alcim spots. And so believe that. Uh, speaking of that, my original announcement that was that we had uh, the first content I was planning was for June, and that was going to be when the uh, the graphic novels, the new version of the graphic novel for uh, White Sand came out. That has been delayed. So my plan for that is delayed, all the, but we are still working on um, getting Joe feedback for his uh, his script, so that may still make it yeah, out. Yeah, something I made, you know, like a month ago, and nobody's <laughs> given me notes. I, I just want I just want to make it perfectly clear to all you lovely Patreon people, Joe is not the holdup on this project. <sighs> you know, that's that, that's on me. I've had the notes and just haven't got around. Oh, it's to not me. it's not you, Jack. Uh, it's not on we're you. We're not waiting <laughs> on you, buddy. Me. <laughs> We're, we're um, waiting on uh, we're waiting on a guy me. who hosts a podcast who shall remain nameless who has given me absolutely no feedback instead of yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah, get yeah. the jokes. <laughs> For next time, we are reading two chapters that is eighteen and nineteen, and after that, we're really gonna the the final two episodes are like four chapters each, so you can tell that things have uh, definitely started moving by the time we get to the episode after next. Mm. None of those six chapter speed ups or anything. This book, yeah, not quite that fast. Although the last section of four is actually pretty short. It's it maybe the shortest section we've read this book, but it was just like, well, that's all that's left. So that's what we're gonna read for that episode. Uh, but yeah, so if you're following along, two chapters for next time, eighteen and nineteen. Does anyone actually read at the same speed as us? Like I know a few people started doing that initially when they had a backlog of episodes to get through, but I think everyone who's caught up by now has said, yeah, I can't wait. I'm keeping going. Yeah, quite quite possibly. I don't know that I've seen anyone who's explicitly Angela Prime is sometimes behind and sometimes ahead, just depending on um, you know, how school is running. But other than that, I don't know that anyone has specifically told me recently that they're like reading along with us. But just in case, you know, I throw it out there. Uh music by Miracle Sound. Did I say that? I forget if I said that. <laughs> but uh so yes. So if you'd like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Patreon and Facebook. And I finally got uh, that one file that I couldn't get for YouTube. I got it to work. So I'm a 
about ready to upload all the Alloy of Law episodes. By the time that this this uh, episode of the podcast comes out, all of Alloy of Law should hopefully be on YouTube. So we'll be pr- close to caught up. Not quite caught up, but pretty close. Uh, so yeah, find us on YouTube if you like. So thanks everyone. Two chapters for next time. And wasing to the time of next. Colo. Check my head. I guess the joke's on me.